hey, it's me, Rasan. I don't know, man. Huge hole in my, you know, yeah. <laughs> understanding. <laughs> my fellow Americans. Probably <laughs> here. As long as you're, whatever you're doing doesn't hurt anyone else, I don't care. Different perspective of what an interesting topic is than I would assume. This is Balance Exchange. Hey everybody, Balance Exchange is back. Uh, Cronus is here again with... Papa Bear. And today we're going to talk about uh, something we have talked about as needing to do as a topic. And I think we both were kind of excited about it. And I think we're going to go ahead and do that today. So we're going to do the Starship Troopers discussion and talk yeah. about like civil service uh, in order to earn citizenship. So like uh, one of the ways I want to talk about this is it's not just military service, but civil service. But um, I think we have to start off with some of our normal openings uh, for our traditions here. So yeah, we do. what are you reading right now? I am reading uh, In Flame, which is book six of the Completionist Chronicles. Mm. Who's Who wrote that? What's, who's uh, that? Dakota Crowd, and it's another lit RPG book series. It's a really good okay. one. So. <laughs> hmm. it, so when you're talking about the cultivation style ones, um, it made me think of one. Have you read the, the Lightbringer series? I have not. So those are those are like some recently and i was really nervous when i started listening to them and was getting what i thought was towards the end that that wasn't like the end of the book series and you know you're like oh man this author's not done yet but he has finished that primary line series so they're really good um i read them not too long ago and it was one of the same the ones that i did the same thing you're making me do with the awaken online stuff where it was book after book but i couldn't i couldn't go back to like doing a professional one. i had to keep the next story going yeah <laughs> um I am still reading, um, let's see, what was the last one I was working on? It is called, I keep forgetting the name of it, Unsold. Yeah, that's oh, the, okay. um, the first one by Why You said it's called the, the Cradle um, Series. The Cradle, Cradle Series. Yeah. yeah. Which, even when you talked about it, and I had already heard it in the book, and it realized, like, because it's only mentioned one or two times right there at the beginning, um, I didn't realize, I'm like, oh yeah, that's the name of that planet. Like, <laughs> Yeah. That others refer to it as cradle. I was like, that's right. So. Yeah, well, and, and they actually, when they actually talk about the actual cradle and all the other stuff, because I didn't understand why they called it the cradle series at all yeah. until like way later, because there's like overarching stuff that's going on in the book that uh, they don't really break it down until like kind of the end of the first book. And then yeah. in the second book, they, they talk a little bit more about it, but it's like, it's almost like there's like two or three stories in one story. And I'm, yeah. and I'm picking up the little message like there's the message thing like you're accessing the database and like yeah. the information there's like these little hints i'm like there's some and then you know there's the external stuff coming in and then there's the close story so i was like okay i'm picking those those the bigger story kind of things up um kind of the brandon sanderson you know full universe thing going yeah. between different book series you're like there's got to be some interconnected stuff going to other stories so yeah yeah that, pretty good that reminds me i still got to continue um on the next series from brandon sanderson the ah the series that I was that you recommended, but they're crazy long. Uh, the, every single book. The, the Empire, the Infinite Empire one. Yeah, is it is uh, it called Infinite Empire? Uh, the Final Empire. So that was that, huh? Final Empire. What the Final Empire. That's right. what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that one is like I think a really good gateway drug for Brandon Sanderson because yeah. like you get interested in his style and then you're gonna want to know more and more about these other completely isolated stories, and then you start picking up like, wait a minute that's the same name of a character from a different thing. And then you start realizing like there's interconnected stories here. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. There's a, a couple of lit RPG guys are starting to do that now where it's just like, you hear about stories from this other people, these other groups, 
but then it's like thousands of years in the future or in the past and it's just like oh that's them and they're are basically you? in the same place yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you here? yeah. all right all right what are you drinking um, so I'm going to do something here. So I am going to be drinking this one from a bottle. So it is uh, <laughs> you know, still sticking to the standard stuff, my Michelob Ultra. It's a lime and prickly pear cactus. So I don't know if it's available everywhere, but it's available here because of all the desert stuff. But I did get the fridge installed. Um, like we talked about, I managed to move my fridge in here so I can just go like this. You hear it. Where's the bottle opener work? <laughs> yeah, haven't even tried it yet. That's how new the fridge is. In here. Hold on a second. That was anticlimactic. Come on. Embarrassing me. You're embarrassing me, bottle opener. I'm going to like, have to edit this out now. This is, like, <laughs> it doesn't work? It can just be a problem. Uh, yeah. I don't know what angle to take on it. It's, oh. Uh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, you have to go really far. Like It's almost 90 to oh, get it to wow. hook, and then it drops under and goes just fine. I was like, yeah. that was weird. Yeah, so... Uh, still keto. These are still pretty good. There's, it's only 95 calories and almost no carbs. So nice. So at this point in watching our videos, you may or may not know that I am an active duty United States Marine, and I've been doing this for 20 plus years. So I know that um, it's really important for me to make sure to get this out there. If it's your first time watching this, please stick around and make sure you understand the disclaimer. If you've watched a whole lot of our episodes so far. Feel free to go ahead and jump ahead to the new content. Um, so what I need to talk about today is that I am not authorized and have no way of being approved to speak on behalf of the Marine Corps. So any opinion that I give or any concept that I discuss today is the position and the opinion of just me, myself, just a man who has a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in leadership and organizational management and has spent my whole life looking at government structures and social contracts and how these things are supposed to work, what the philosophies and things behind them are, and read a lot of books on that kind of stuff. And it's definitely one of my personal and key passions. And so when you hear me maybe give a position or a concept on something, that is only my own position. I am not a public affairs officer for the Marine Corps. I am in no way giving what the Marine Corps' official position on anything would be. And honestly, a lot of the topics we're going to cover here, I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps doesn't have a particular position on. Um, so if you do have any questions about what the Marine Corps policy on certain things could be, you can definitely research that and find those out um, or leave a comment or send us a message uh, if you can get a hold of us somehow. We can maybe be able to answer those questions for you. So with that said, let's get you back to this week's content. And I'm not cute. Right. I'm not cute right now. Obviously, I haven't been cute for a while, um, but I intermittent fast, so I'm okay. Obviously, you can see me. I'm not fat anymore. <laughs> I, I will tell you, like, so um, because I was doing, I can't remember what I was doing. I was looking for something, and I was kind of looking back at a couple of our earlier episodes. For so, like, I can visibly see in myself in videos from when we started that I've I've lost a good bit. Of weight. I was like, okay, oh yeah, you, you can see it in your, definitely in your face. So yeah. yeah, obviously, I don't get to see the rest of your body, but um, your face I can see is yeah, is definitely slimmer. Um, so congrats on that. I'm, I'm glad keto worked for you. I, you know, when, it, when I recommend keto to most people, I don't know if I talked about it before. It's like, I'm kind of hesitant because it's like, it's a, yeah. it's a discipline thing. Like it's a good diet, but first of all, it's, you know, it's a discipline thing. And second of all, you can't, you, or you shouldn't try to do it forever. <laughs> so. Yeah. And we talked about it and you pointed it out one time too. Like, you're really glad that like 
every once in a while, I'm like, eh, I just knew it wasn't going to work. So you accept that and you kind of like capitalize on that moment, you know, and then just get it back as soon as you can. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, there's those temptations and I'm providing the same advice to others. So like my brother is trying to lose weight. So he's like, I, I got a plan. I'm doing these other things. And I was like, I'm not saying you should, because it's definitely not for everybody. And it, even if you did stick to the discipline, it still might not work for you personally because your body might not respond to it as well. So, yeah. but it's worth trying if like, if you find that you can, especially since I was explaining it to my mom, who's trying to lose weight too. And, uh, she, I was explaining to her, she's like, wait a minute, this is a diet. Cause I'm like, I can eat steaks, <laughs> eggs, bacon, cheese, like whatever, like all of the foods that are my favorite, like real foods. I still eat all that stuff. I just can't eat like bread and like cookies. Like I, I hate losing out on candy and cookies and stuff, but then, you know, we, we found that there are cookies you can eat oh, and yeah. there are like treats that you can have that they're not going to be the, if you just eat those, you're keto because you don't get enough fats out of those. It's just not so high in carbs. It trips, trips you out. So you still have to eat lots of fats, but yeah. Yeah. So I was going, she's like, that's a diet. I was like, it is, but it might not, you know, and especially since I'm not your doctor, I have no idea where your cholesterol levels are, where your health is right now. You may need to do something else first to get to a point where keto can make sense for you. So. Yeah. And it, it was, yeah. I mean, I remember when I had high cholesterol, you know, I started doing keto, my cholesterol went down, but I know some people like their cholesterol is, doesn't go down, but it's, it's because of other reasons. Most of the time it's because of other mm -hmm. reasons. It's because people have this weird misunderstanding about what cholesterol is, is, is for. And so if you have already have arterial tearing, from having high blood pressure and, you know, other sorts of issues um, from being basically overweight. Um, yeah. It's going to jack up your cholesterol because it, cholesterol is used to repair your arteries. So if you're still repairing your arteries and you're on keto, your cholesterol is still going to go up. And that's just, you're not going to escape that. But you, you need to deal with the issue of why am I still getting arterial tearing from high blood pressure and, you know, being overweight. So you, you should probably tackle that. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's a... And again, I would say if you're at that point, you have to talk to your doctor about it. That's why I told yeah. him, I was like, what you, and my mom, I was like, what you probably want to do is say something about it to the doctor next time you go in and go like, hey, I was talking to my son. He's eating keto right now and it's helping him lose weight. Is that, do you think that was something that would work for me? They'll be able to look at your chart and your numbers and go, let's wait a little bit. Let's do these things first and get you to a place where I'm comfortable with that. And that's, that's someone who's, you know, for me, especially like, I know I'm in a pretty healthy place. I just needed to lose some weight. So it's pretty easy to shift and try different things and I'm not going to hurt myself. Yeah. But you know, if you're already in a sensitive medical like state, you probably need to check with a doctor before trying stuff like that. So yeah. Like your own personal doctor, but also probably nutritionist because most general doctors, like family doctors, they don't know that much about nutrition. So yeah. Well, and on most programs, like we talked about social programs and stuff, right? On most of the insurances you're on, you're not going to be able to just go to a nutrition on your own. You would probably want your doctor to say you need to go to one and then you can use your insurance to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you have to start that conversation with your regular doctor first. Yes. Anyway, now that we just talked about keto for a minute, um, I'm drinking beer, um, not uh, <laughs> not low-carb beer. <laughs> so I'm drinking Honorable Villain, and it is by – who is this by? Well, it's by Moonraker. Did you say, did you say Honorable Villain? Yes. So, like, weren't you reading a book about a villain that was trying to be, like, a good main character? Yes, yes, I was. But this this came in a pack, so it's kind of funny that it's, you know, that that happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good, good, uh, good randomness of, like, life, how it goes together sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's very strange. Um, and it's by Moonraker Brewery, and they're, they're a really good brewery. I, I know their whole, like, back story. Um, but, yeah, it's a really good triple IPA, or Imperial IPA. So, cheers. Mm -hmm.
What's the difference? Uh, an Imperial IP, I think, is um, you can age it a little bit longer. I think that's what makes it Imperial. I'm pretty sure. Um, okay. And if you get like a straight triple or double IPA, you should drink them as fast as like as soon as possible because it'll be fresher. Um, okay. Yeah, but some some things that are like double and double and triple IPAs, if you don't drink them as soon as possible, the flavor changes over time, and it's hmm. probably not the flavor that the brewer intended. And so that's why they tell yeah. they tell you to drink them. Some of them, and they'll, they'll skunk faster, which is terrible. Yeah. But Imperial IPAs, um, they're designed to be kind of um, aged a little bit longer, and it'll keep its flavor profile as intended by the brewer for longer. So. So like, okay, got it. Yeah. So I know you're kind of more of a, especially IPA side beer snob than I am. So I was like, hey, what's that mean? What's the difference? I definitely don't know much about IPAs. So. Yeah, I mean, IPAs are just kind of like a... They're not a new thing, but they... I mean, as far as beer goes, like, the, the fad has been a new thing, especially California IPAs. Yeah. Now they have the any the IPAs, which are New England IPAs, which are the hazy ones. Um, those are those are a new fad. And then they had, like, the... They had this weird champagne beer type thing. I forget what they called it. Mm. But they basically used... They used a yeast that was made for... That was, like, a champagne yeast. And so, like, the, the beer that you got, um, the bubbles were, like, much more, like, fine bubbles... And so it was kind of like an interesting taste, but it didn't really. I don't, I don't think that one took off very well. But any IPA, any IPAs, and you know, California IPAs are still still high up there. Gotcha. Okay, so I wanted to start this off by making a kind of an interesting factoid to start us off because I was curious, so I looked it up ahead of time because I I kind of have a pretty good idea about how I want to talk about this in general and have the 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 basic discussion. Mm-hmm. But I thought of an interesting point that would be a. a Counterpoint is because the conversation always goes towards um, where when I say like service for citizenship, similar to the way they do it in Starship Troopers, um, you know, most people are like, well, not everybody can join the military or should join the military. Nope. And so then if someone can't join the military, you, you have one of two options, right? If say you're medically not qualified, like Steve Rogers, um, then maybe like you just get a waiver and you can still become a citizen, but then that's kind of not fair. Like well, you didn't do the service yeah. that everybody else is being required to do. So should you be allowed to just wave out of it? Then you just get waivers the same as we did with the draft. You're like, Oh, I'm going to college or I'm going to do this thing. And you just get waivers I've and don't do spurs. your service. Huh? I've got bone spurs. <laughs> yeah. And, and then you don't do your service, but you can still be a citizen because you got a medical waiver. So that's why to me, I think, you know, I try to think towards what's the purpose especially in the United States, clearly we don't require everyone to serve in order to have the military that is in the state that it's in right now, because we haven't required military service or had like a mandatory draft in a long time. So we, we do fall into one of those categories that kind of requires a military service because everyone has to register for the draft. Well, at least adult males between the age of 18 and 25 women, have to register for the women draft. Women do now too. They, they changed that a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last, I think it was literally like last year or the year before. Yeah. Um, and it, it is updated on the thing I'm about to reference. Um, but since when it first changed, it was that. And then in the last two years, it's changed. I think it was maybe two years ago now. Yeah. That's something I can look up. But um, uh, oh, but but it's not like mandatory service. So I think that for me, the goal is not about building a strong military it's about identifying this responsibility to other people who are a part of our society right so if we want a a person who's going to vote and contribute um 
we, that person would be ideally suited if they had a better understanding of their own role in the world and like how they fit into our society. And we did have some of this discussion when I talked about my top 10, because this is one of those things I think was on that top 10 list. Yeah. Um, so what I thought I would start off with was actually talking about countries that do require military service right now uh, in order to gain citizenship. Like, so there, there are plenty of countries in the world that require military service for all of their citizens. Um, and it's actually a number larger than I kind of thought it was. Um, I have this map, so I'll share my screen real quick if sure. I can get the right one there. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about it too, but I kind of just wanted to show it. Uh, I should be able to if I can. You came with visual aids, y'all. This is going to be great, but not great for y'all that are listening. <laughs> yeah, everybody listening, I will describe it. Yeah. It is definitely pretty obvious what's going on once I figure out. Oh, there it is. Present now. I don't know why I was having so much trouble. I know. I was figuring one... that out. I've done it before. Yeah, I know. It's one country in particular that affected. So I used to be a huge UFC fan. I mean, I still am. I just don't watch as much, but it affected a UFC fighter. And I was like, wow, he had to be gone for, I think it was two or three years. And I was, and he was a really good fighter. Okay. Uh, so should be sharing my screen now. And yep. There we go. See it once it goes. Wow. All right. Are you seeing a map? <laughs> yes, I see the map. That means we see, see the map. map. So the red countries are those that require military service. It's a lot more red than I initially would have expected when I looked at it. I knew there were so, a yeah. handful, but there's a lot more here than I actually expected. Yeah. So you can see almost all of, uh, so Russia, Scandinavia, all of the Central Eastern or Central Asia countries, China, almost all of Southeast Asia, um, at least about half of Africa, most of South America, all require military service. So I will go down this list and it's probably going to be a little bit obnoxious. And if you need to, you can move a little bit forward once I start, but it is significantly more countries that I kind of thought was going to be a new I knew that, um, you know, uh, I knew South Korea did, I knew Israel did, yep. and that was like literally the only ones I knew for sure did. And I, this was kind of a shock to me to find out that there are this many countries that require some kind of military service for their citizenship. Um, so let's see here. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I knew, I knew about South Korea and china and a few other ones but yeah that i didn't know any, any of them in south america or or yeah or in israel because gal gadot she was in the military so yep. yeah yeah compulsory military service so let's see um we're gonna go down it this way so some have compulsory and then continue on voluntary and then some basically we kind of would say we fall into that group where ours is a registration system but not like a compulsory service because now all have to register for selective service, but we don't need that unless a major conflict happened and we called up more forces than we currently had available. Um, but it's a little bit different. And again, we're still talking about military service specifically, not just what I think is the concept we, I would want us to go with later. Yeah, um, yeah. So those who have compulsory military service for up to a year include Brazil, Estonia, France, Greece, Qatar, Sweden, and Turkey. France kind of surprised me because I know there's always Qatar. jokes within, especially the American like military service of joking about how like <laughs> French don't fight and they always surrender and also just but, like, but they all have been in the military at some point, if, according to this, right? Yeah, I was surprised about Qatar because I used to, I was, I lived there for a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's a, it's a it's pretty nice place actually in the Middle East. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely pretty. Um, so then those that require. A full year so that was those that require some kind of service up to a year some, some different numbers but those that anything less than a year but up to that point right 
So then those that require exactly a year are Algeria, Bolivia, Colombia, Guatemala, Kazakhstan, Moldova, Mongolia, Paraguay, Russia, Taiwan, Tunisia, Uzbekistan. So that's all of the Central Asian countries and most of the South uh, South American ones. And what's crazy, so like, I'm sure that those countries, especially the Central Asian ones, they got that tradition from Russia when they were all USSR and then just have continued that kind of yeah. tradition of service for a year. So then those who go up to 18 months, so there, you can see there's like this kind of like varying degree of how much time, but it's still some kind of service, uh, include Azerbaijan, Belarus, Benin, Cambodia, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, right? uh, Cyprus, Egypt, Georgia, Kuwait, Laos, Morocco, and United Arab Emirates. Hmm. So that's 18 months is a pretty, pretty good number. I still think for me and what we talked about last time, I think the right number is two years, two years once we yeah. get to the concept that I'm working towards. But um, 18 months is not bad either. That's a pretty good amount of time to put put your life towards something to, to yeah. learn some something about some like life and, and everything, including it. So let's see. For those who have mandatory service, anything longer than 18 months. This is kind of a long list. So here we go. Armenia, Angola, Central African Republic, Chad. Cuba, Eritrea, Equatorial Guinea, Guinea, Guinea-Bissau, <laughs> Iran, Israel, North Korea, South Korea, Kyrgyzstan, Libya, Mali, Mauritania, Mozambique, Myanmar, Niger, Sao Tome and Principe, Senegal, Singapore, Somalia, Syria, Sudan, Tajikistan, Thailand, Turkmenistan, Togo, and Yemen. Wow. So, that's a lot. Like a really big list. Yeah, that is a big list. And I, I knew there was, um, so I've worked with the Thai military a lot, especially the Thai Marine Corps. And like, I was, I'm, I'm, I did, I guess I just didn't really realize that it was compulsory service because I knew there were plenty of young adults right in that right age range that would have probably still been on compulsory service who weren't in the military. And then I was obviously meeting up with people who were in the military in that age group. So it's, I guess my brain just never made this connection that maybe they just were people who had one of those waivers or didn't have to do service or something along those lines. Somehow they weren't like the guy who's driving the tuk-tuk is probably the same age as someone who would be in the military at that time. So I'm like, how did you not end up in the military? And I imagine there's probably several systems that same as we would have if we had it as compulsory military service to say, I'm not qualified to do that. He's got asthma or something. Yeah. 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 I think that's one of the things So I've talked about, you know, the whole, doing some sort of civil service for like a, a while now, even with my, you know, even before I went through this kind of like evolutionary change of like my mindset, I thought for a while, like we should have some sort of compulsory, you know, civil service here in America. Cause especially the way that America has been going, um, like people that, that are only concerned about themselves. Um, yeah. and that's, that's the, I, I would say at this point, it's probably the majority of America and that's being conservative. It's probably the vast majority of Americans. Um, that are just all about themselves and it's like listen this this country is built upon um people working together and you know getting shit done and the fact that you get to live this life of uh leisure on the backs of others and you can be so flippant about like you know the military or somebody working the dmv or all these other government workers or even just people that just you know create you know like repair the streets 
and they get mad at them for repairing the streets at the wrong time of day. And it's like, that's, that's hard work. Like, do you want to do that? Like, maybe you have a different opinion if you had to do that for, like, you know, a couple of years. <laughs> so. Yeah, like, all of the, you know, big public works projects they did in the, in the like, the 50s to, to you know, get the economy back up and running through the 40s and 50s, too. So building dams and stuff like that. People died, like, building these things. They still but they needed, they needed work. They needed a, a place to survive, you know, and live. And that's something that they were doing. Not as a you know, a contingency on their citizenship or their ability to contribute uh, a say in what's going on, which is kind of, I think, probably the second part of what we'll talk about for this. Yeah, I mean, um, you shouldn't... It's weird that at this point in time, both of us feel the need to basically make people give a fuck. <laughs> like, I mean, that, that's, yeah, a, that's the end goal. The hand. Yeah, it's like, this shouldn't be... We shouldn't have to, like, force people to do this. Obviously, if we're in, like, a... a sort of utopia and i guess our utopia people would just automatically volunteer and they would just do it but that's just not the way that's not the way our society is right now yeah or it would be small enough of a community to understand the needs of other people and be close enough to it to to care about how how your actions impact others like uh, so so stupid simple examples is like one of the things i always do that even like other marines don't do is if i see trash on the ground i just pick it up it doesn't matter where I am. I'm like, oh, what's this doing here in the middle of the parking lot? And I pick up this bag of, like, it was a bag from some rocks or something at the parking lot at Home Depot that probably was just still in some contractor's truck and got blown out by the wind and was blowing along. I'm like, oh, I'll pick this up. I'm going right over to the store next door. We drive over to that parking lot and I find a trash can and put it in the trash can. So it's, so it's not blowing around just because why not? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way it should be. You know, you shouldn't have to <laughs> rely on, like, a... Uh... I forget what they call them, not like a chain gang or anything like that. But you know, people that get in trouble with the law and they have to like go and like clean the streets and shit like that. It's like, why can't you? you know, just pick yeah. up? What do they call it? Doing like, yeah, I know you're under. You're talking about like you do the um, public service type thing. Oh, I got supposed to call. Anyways, yeah, I can't remember the name uh, of it, but people will probably know what, know what we're talking about. It's like a thing where <laughs> yeah, it's like screaming at us in the comments right yeah, now. Yeah, like, like, I, I know what it is. I did that. I didn't. All right, I never did. <laughs> so. But yeah, I mean, we, we shouldn't, I think communities should be able to like sort that out, you know, decide volunteerism and, um, and sort that out. If you see some, some trash, you know, just pick it up. It's, it's not hard and throw it away. I see people every now and again, like out, out on their own, just like picking up trash in the street with a bag. Maybe I'll, when my daughter gets a little bit older and when COVID's gone, um, I think we're going to, I'm going to show her like, Hey, we're just going to go out and pick up trash. And that's just yeah. going to be the way it is. <laughs> uh, community service. I think it is just community service, yeah. But it's yeah, weird. Yeah, normally just refer to it that way, but yeah, yeah. it's like mandatory service. Yeah. Um, so there was one last note here on it, which was that um, for most of those countries, the compulsory service is for adult males only, but some do have compulsory service for females as well. Um, and like you mentioned, and I guess, I, I don't know if there's a note up there about it. I want to look back, but I'll check in a minute uh, if it mentions. This was, says it was updated in 2021, so I'm going to pretty much assume I just kind of glazed over it. Uh, that we do now include uh, women in the selective service so that they're registered for service. But uh, this is still, this is saying mandatory service. Um, those are Armenia, Cape Verde, Chad, China, Eritrea, Israel, Norway, North Korea, and Sweden. So South Korea service, unlike North Korean service, is not mandatory for women, which mm. is kind of, I kind of assumed they had similar historical reasons for doing that, and that was something that was a part of that. Um, 
some of those things vary um, as far as ages and like what the amount of service or what kinds of service it all leads to. But I still think that just, it kind of surprised me when I looked it up because I expected to say there aren't that many, but it kind of changed the way I looked at the startup of this conversation, which was the fact that there are that many countries that are willing to require military service kind of tells me that it makes sense that this kind of a concept um, does have value at least for for potentially for them or maybe it's just historical like they're used to it it's a tradition of military service for those but then i also wonder is there a any kind of a negative impact for those that can't complete that military service so i guarantee those systems like i mentioned in thailand have some kind of an out because you don't want that person in your military do they just not get the same rights as those people who do their service yeah that's a good question i mean well well, I, get, I mean, if you look at the, we have the same deal in America. If you think about it, like if you served in America at all, and you you know you didn't get a, you know, a dishonorable discharge or other than honorable, you still get a host of other benefits that uh, you know a civilian does not get. And I, I don't think I just thought about that right now. I'm just like, yeah, there's like I have VA programs and all kinds of other shit that I have access to. Um, most of them I don't even use, but um, I have access to them. But a civilian doesn't. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. But it, I guess to me, I, I tie it back to, and we'll, I guess we'll start transitioning kind of towards the, the second element of this, which is that it would sort of mean that there would need to be two classes, classifications of like citizenship within the United States, sort of, um, in this construct that I'm thinking of, which would mean you would have people who are residents, those who live here and receive all the benefits of being a member of this society. They get, they have all of the same access to those resources like you talked about. Uh, military service, it being a specific thing, like you mentioned with the veterans, uh, like the VA veterans affairs and, and other things like that, those probably wouldn't change. So if you're in a part of a different service, which we'll talk about, then I'm sure those independent services have their own benefits too. Yeah. Um, so those, those would still stay to your organization. But uh, other than that, the general like citizenship, all the social programs we talked about in the last one, you'd still have access to all that stuff. But what you would lose out on by not performing the service is the ability to make the decisions about which programs should and shouldn't be run. Um, so voting, mainly. Basically. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to get down to. And it, previous to last year, I would disagree with you. But because yeah. last year happened, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I think uh, we should have a more educated... Um, voting class and this is where I think I I talked about it before but I, I didn't go into real details I'll just touch upon it a little bit right now is that when you talk about you know having requirements for like educational requirements to be spe sp specific about voting requirements um, traditionally that's been to discourage uh, people of color to not vote by like saying hey you need to have a certain level of education um, to do that but obviously this kind of goes a little bit around that because um, you can do a civil service to, to, to do that, not necessarily at educational level, even though that would be great. Um, obviously, we should uh, raise the floor of all, our, all of our basic education in America, which we've talked about multiple times on the podcast. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think that somebody that doesn't understand basic science should be voting. I don't think somebody that doesn't understand um, the Electoral College should be voting. I don't think that somebody doesn't understand the way they count votes should be voting. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that 
people have no idea what they're actually voting on. Like if you're not, if you're literally not even reading what you're voting on, should you be voting? I don't think so. Right. So those who don't know, but just look and figure out what the party is saying and they vote that way. Right. Yeah. Just yep. follow the, follow the herd. Yeah. It, yeah. That, ideally there'd be, and we talked about this more civics classes in high school, a better understanding of how our government works. Did I ever tell you about the, um, the like mock Congress stuff that we did at my high school? No, no, not at all. So that's, that was the first, the first like spark. I guess for me that that really, really made this uh, thing that I was super interested in. And so I think you couldn't actually participate until junior year. And so for your junior year and senior year, you were participating, but during your sophomore year and during my senior year, we brought freshmen up to the high school. So then we were finally like all ninth, 10th, 11th. Before that, it was like the junior high thing. It was weird. Um, So we only had eighth, ninth, 10th, or sorry, we only had, 10, 11, 12 in high school mm. for when I started there. But then my senior year, we added ninth grade to it. Um, so then freshmen and sophomores could observe and like be in, in, in it, but they weren't participating. And you would, everybody would had some kind of a civics class, some kind of a history class or some kind of a, you know, social studies class, of some kind. And in any of those classes, they would all draw um, basically on a certain day, everybody drew jobs um, and you would either be like a member of the house or a member of the Senate. Um, and then within those, you would be assigned to committees. Uh, you would have someone who would end up being speaker of the house, someone who would end up being the president pro temp, like all this other stuff. So you got assigned every single role and built out the entire government within the school. And then for, for three days, the whole school literally did nothing but operate like they were our government. So we would go into this one auditorium that would be the house or we would first, we started by meeting in committees, right? Um, and then everybody's assignment that was basically kind of how, part of how you got evaluated was everybody had to write a bill. Everyone had to write a bill on something. And then those would all get passed out to certain committees that would make sense within what the topic was. You would then have those discussions and vote in committees and only the things that got out of committee would even make it to the floor, right? So then those things get discussed, voted on, and then they switch houses. Um, so we're doing all of this stuff and then it would go to the president and they veto some of them and send it back to us. And you think we're going to get all these high school students to be able to pass 66%. Even then you can't get up to it. Sometimes we could. Um, but it was interesting to basically, we full on implemented it and everybody learned. And you did that every year for like two or three days. So the freshmen who were just observing, that's their first exposure to it. And then by the time you're a junior and senior, you're participating. Like you really have a good understanding of it. It's not that hard. I mean, it took a lot of work. I guarantee teachers, like, especially those who are like other classes are like, what are we doing? Like I'm falling behind in my schedule of stuff that I need to teach, but they also just know this is going to happen every year and plan for it. That's, I think that that's pretty awesome. That needs to happen. Yeah. That, that's, that's pretty, yeah. We had nothing like that where, where I went to school, but that, that is pretty awesome. Cause I, I don't think that people put enough um, value in learning about our government, but it's like the government has so much power over every single citizen that why wouldn't you pay attention to it? It's like it, it, even a little thing, just like literally getting in your car and driving somewhere, guess what? The government built your roads. Like, and so if you don't understand how, like how that works and like how your tax dollars, you know, go, you know, the way that they transfer your tax dollars into actually making a road, like, and then you're like, well, why do I have so many potholes? Like maybe if you understood your, your local government better, 
and you paid attention, like what actual things you're voting for, or if you're voting at all, maybe you should vote on these certain things. Cause like in the, the bills are there, you can read them. Yeah. They send you a booklet and you can also look it up online. It's super easy. Um, nothing else about I mean, this disenfranchise. Go okay. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. See, I mean, and that's a, like a, a, a single point of that one event. Yeah. Like there are some, so getting in the car, right? Seat belt, yeah. <laughs> airbag, all regulations. Check out our episode on regulations versus deregulation, right? Like there is so, so much of that stuff is all controlled by decisions that we pass off to someone else to decide for us because most of what we're doing is representative, right? We, we select the people who make these decisions for us most of the time is the way our system works rather than doing everything to direct voting. I know some things have to, right? Like we do vote and personally help make certain decisions, but a lot of stuff happens without us getting involved other than selecting the person to go do that for us. And most of us don't even know who we're choosing. Yeah, yeah. Most people don't even know like who their representative is, like at all. They might know who the mayor is. Not even that. I mean, I can't really name a mayor right now. I know my representative is. I know who that is, but um, the mayor, I don't really know. I forget. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and it's a mayor. Like, so the local community ones, I would like to say, I think because they do have more impact on your day to day activities, would be more important to know. Mm-hmm. But the fact that that's you know, less visible, uh, the fact that they spend less time like on national news stuff or whatever, it's harder to know, but we should all definitely know who our national representatives are, especially since they're few in number, too few in number, man, I'm, I'm talking about to all of our episodes here, Go back to our very first episode talking <laughs> yeah. about personal representation. So there should be way more. Um, and then it'd be a little harder to maybe know who all of them are, but you'd probably know yours because they probably literally represent like your building or your block because there'd be so many people, especially in like the cities. I thought about that when I think about the numbers sometimes, like there are probably buildings in New York city that would have a representative. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm basically representative of this city who have several thousand people living in it because it's a huge, like massive tower of apartment complex kind of thing. But you would, the person whoever represented you though, you would assume, well, you would know that they knew like what your day to day life was, what it was, is like, like they don't, it's not a whole swath of people, you know, it's just like your mm-hmm. building or your block or whatever. And the, whoever lives in your building or your block, they are definitely, at least, at least to like the block level, even the building level obviously is even more constrained, but on the block level, like you're all in the same basic economic status. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You're all paying the same sorts of bills, you know? So yeah, I think having more um, is a good thing. Because if you talked to me like five years ago, I'd have been like, more people in the government? That's stupid. Like, please stop. But yeah, that's bad. I think we need to reduce our government in other ways. Like, there's definitely other, um, like, organizations that need to go away, in my opinion. Because they're, they're, some of them are, are redundant. But I don't think the House of Representatives is not one of them. As, as far as, like, the way you broke it down. So Yeah, and I mean, and you think about it, too. It seems like, and I bet initially it would probably too, right? If suddenly we put all these people in there and then paid them for that first couple of years, that first Congress, probably it, the, the, the cost would be an increase, right? Like, Hey, we suddenly have all these people and we're paying them to do this job. But the difference would be a lot of those people there would be looking at this stuff and going like, wait a minute, why are we spending money on this? Why are we doing it this way? Why is this, where is this money going? Cause that's a good question I have all the time is like, okay, Here's what we allocated to it. Like we talked about in the last one, here's the dollar amount for this program. Here's the amount we're giving to each citizen, which equals this. And this is the total amount. Like 
where did the, the rest of this go? Where did that go? I want to know where that went. No, we're not doing that. We're going to take this and put it over here. Like more people looking at it means the ability for more scrutiny. Will all of them look at it? No. Right. So we're talking about those bills that are thousands of pages long, probably still the same number of representatives are not going to look at it. Yeah. But by putting more there, you're going to have at least a couple more people in the house who are interested in really doing a good job and doing the best that they can while they're there, reading all of those things and trying to fix this stuff because why else would they be there? Because that's the way I look at it. But I don't know that that's right because it's altruistic. It's me thinking like me there, what I would do, but that doesn't mean everybody's going to think that way. No, I mean, I, I think when we, so I think when both of us talk about some of the things that, that we mentioned, yes, they will cost more money from taxpayers for sure, right? But I also think that both of us know that there's like so much fraud, waste, and abuse in our government right now that we could definitely tackle alongside. I, honestly, with the, as much fraud, waste, and abuse that I've seen in just my life as being a Marine and a military contractor, from those two things alone, I can tell you we could definitely come up with enough money to pay for um, a significant increase in the House of Representatives and to pay for a whole bunch of other programs because we're wasting a shitload of money on just the DOD. Yeah, and okay. What I think also when when you come down to the local level, like actually holding people accountable to like where your money's going for like basic, um, like road programs and tolls and stuff like that, it's like we're we're wasting a bunch of money, but nobody's being held accountable. So I think if we if we held you know government entities and individuals accountable for like first of all what they owe in taxes and then second of all like where they're actually spending money as a as a government entity, if we held them accountable then I think we would have like vastly more money to be available for, you know, other things that are more important in my opinion. So. But, and like inherent in that concept of having that many representatives was this idea that we're now remote doing the house, right? We're not, we're not going to be able to put all those people in a building in Washington, DC. And that's stupid anyway. We're, yeah, we went through this decentralized. <laughs> so that's kind of where that conversation goes, right? We're like, okay, so, so now say, the representatives that represent the districts and I'm going to say districts now instead of just one, because there's maybe one or two that covers San Francisco and the Bay area that you're in right right now, representatives, instead imagine 20, 30, 40 of them who are technically from that city's area who get to stay there and advocate for the city at the national level, but also hold the city accountable for the national money that they're funding there they're right there like hey all 50 is we're gonna go down to the mayor's office right now we're gonna meet there and we're gonna talk to them about how they're allocating this money that we're we're pushing to them and you literally have 50 representatives from the house representatives just standing outside your office right now like oh geez the <laughs> mob is here but yeah. they're like the mob at the, the national mob. Like, well it's like reverse you know it flips it <laughs> yeah no this is a, it's a great i think it's a great concept you know it's a great concept so i think that so part of that ties to it but tying that directly to it, any position in any of the spots in government would require that service. Yeah. So in order to vote, you would need to have done some of the service we're gonna talk about here in a second. To, in order to run for any political position, that would also be a requirement. So I I, I don't know if I still, I, I kind of do because I see the, the fear that was there, the reason to say that the president of the United States had to be like a natural born citizen, like it has to be someone who's not an immigrant um, just because the position itself is potentially like one that people would 
try to do some kind of infiltration thing on potentially like spend put somebody here young like build them up and brainwash them all the way to do it i can see like the weird crazy theories where that can happen but all the rest of them since they're not i'm, I'm still fine with it but i also think that having service as a requirement for those positions gives us that that converse that like understanding of what it's like to actually do service for other people yeah and so in america right now um you can but you can have completed your service in the military as a foreign born person and still not get citizenship. I thought that that's weird as fuck to me. Cause it's like, how, how could you, how could you possibly prove yourself more loyal to America? Like there, there's, there's you, no other way. <laughs> and, and so it does simplify the process for, uh, for by, by comparison. Uh, if, if that's something you're interested in doing. I've known quite a few who were like, who were either from, from Puerto Rico and did some kind of the, the service in order to like change the way their citizenship works. Cause theirs is a little different. You get yeah. the, the full normal citizenship stuff instead of like the territory citizenship. And it's the same for Guam. Um, but then uh, several, like several I've served with had, were from either like Central America or South America yeah, um, or a couple of like, uh, I had an Australian guy. I was going to say Middle Eastern too. Like there's a couple, like it was, there was a Syrian like who did serve and uh, definitely some Israelis. There's a couple others that like, and it does help them conduct the citizenship stuff. Like you have a different timeline and your application falls into a different category and all of those things, basically by being in the service, you have to do it while you're on active duty by being active duty in the service. It gives you like the ability to kind of process a little faster, but it's definitely still not an automatic thing. Yeah, it's, it to me it should be automatic. I mean, listen, it, it. Like, do you want to? Yes. Okay, cool. Then do it. Yeah, it's just it's so silly to me. If you want to talk about, oh, well, you know, somebody, all right, let's the, on a base level, especially. I can only speak for the Marine Corps, obviously. So can you? Um, when it comes down to like becoming to knowing about the U.S., we're all indoctrinated from boot camp. We're all indoctrinated. All right, we all we all uh, we're all drinking the Kool Aid. <laughs> so. Like very few people fall through the cracks. Some do, you're right. But those those people that fall through the cracks, they're usually naturally born Americans anyway. So the the possibility of them being natural born Americans or foreign born American, like it doesn't matter. So it's the same amount of actually it's, it's probably less of a risk if they're foreign born, um in in my opinion. But uh, th there's no risk. That, there's no added risk to like making them automatic citizens. Like obviously they care about the country, so let's just make them automatic citizens. Citizens. So. Uh, I would do the same. I would say like the same stipulations would apply where it's a certain time frame, like after you're completed two years of service. Yeah. Like the same as we would say would be the same for this next part of the program. Um, as soon as that time is completed, citizenship. Done. Right. Yeah, you got it. Um, well, as long as you want to, because some people come serve and go back home. Yeah, yeah, they and do. And just did it to learn something to bring that back to their country, which is also great, great for them. But yeah, well, it, it's weird to me because there's people that I know that have gotten like clearances. And they don't get uh, citizens. I'm like, what? How do you? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> access to stuff. Yeah. But they don't let you just be here? Let's yeah. It's so dumb. Yeah. So during our break, I started trying to look up the, the women registration for the selective service thing we talked about. I was looking it up too as you were talking. <laughs> it is still not a requirement. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the conclusion I came to as well. That's so strange. there there was a report published in 2020 by a 
a 49-member bipartisan commission saying the time is right to change it. They attend, they went to 42 different cities in 22 different states, um, had basically like town halls, this commission did, and talked to everybody and to kind of gauge how the country would feel if, if they recommended that change and said that the country is definitely ready for that. But they still haven't done it. You go to the Selective Service like website and it still says as of 2016, so yeah. I appreciate them you know, updating their website regularly. Uh, <laughs> there is no decision that's been made for the Selective Service to require women to register. Um, what's funny is the first the first link that comes up when I searched for it was an ACLU link saying that requiring men to and not women to is sex discrimination. It, it is. <laughs> yeah. The second link was, but we have managed to publish something specifically that says if you were born a male and do a sex change to become female, you're still required to register for this. <laughs> we managed to publish that, but not to just change it and include everybody. Like, <sighs> yeah, I, listen, it, it should, if, if we're going to be in the world of, you know, how do I put this sort of more politically correct? What's up? In, in the world of that face, like... Yeah, well, I mean, if how do I, how do I, how do I do this without stepping on toes? Like, how yeah, do I... <laughs> yeah. If you want true equality um, between men, yeah. men and women, which don't get me wrong, it's difficult to achieve. But if you want that sort of equality, it comes down to like shit like this, of like you know, men are required to do these certain things um, that women are not. I mean, li- li- listen, if a if you're on a ship and the ship crashes and it's going down, who's getting saved? Men and women. I'm oh, sorry, the, the uh, women, women and children first, and we all know this. Like, and it, there's going to be no complaints by anybody. It's like, well, wh- what about the man's value? You know. So w- when you talk about men, are usually like traditionally throughout all of history, are are more disposable than women and children. So that's just a fact. So if you want to get, if you want to talk about equality, it comes to like things like that. And when you talk about like jobs, um. All the reports that I've seen of like why like men get paid more is because we take different jobs. Um, if you want to talk, most of the women that I've talked to, um, like, hey, do you want to, you know, do you want to be like an underwater welder? They're probably going to say no. Probably. I mean, I'm not going to say no, like in general, but those are high, higher paying jobs and like jobs that are riskier. They're higher paying jobs. And if you talk to a man, like, hey, do you want to be a nurse? Or, you know, they're probably going to say no. Probably. I'm not saying all because there's, there's female, or male nurses. But just generally speaking, and I'm sure there's, sure there's female underwater welders, but yeah. it's probably like ten percent. Yeah, it's it's very few, but it's like there's there's a choice that you make, you know, like early on of like shit that you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And one of the things that I want to bring up is like I understand why women w- would be less likely to take on more dangerous roles is because we, you can become pregnant and carry children. So yeah, it makes sense to me like on a basic level, like hey, probably don't take on as much danger if you can, if it's a choice take on less danger, especially if you're going to become pregnant, you know, if that's a possibility. So that makes sense to me. And, and there was, um, there was an article published and she kind of got, got some flack for it too. I think it was a, she was a captain, a female Marine captain that was, um, pushing yeah, so hard. Right. And was like basically pushing to the physical, the physical stuff, like making sure that she could compete at the level that she wanted to, to do all of the stuff that, uh, like an infantry officer is supposed to do. And, it made it so that she couldn't have kids at that point. So she got yeah. to the point where talking to the doctor, it's like, you're not going to be able to have kids if you stay where you are right now um, because you've physically changed your body to the point that um, you can now do these other things that you want to do. But, and again, this was her case and she just was explaining that story. And yeah, a lot of people were 
like really frustrated versus like, look, I'm just telling you my story and I still think I want to do this and I can do this for the next couple of years and make that choice myself. But it just, it just does show like it's very different. And, and again, that was her, the same as we talked about diet when we were starting here, like that's how her body responded and someone else might not, might be able to do both, right? Yeah. Um, but it definitely is a stress on your body when you do a lot of the stuff that we're doing. And I imagine that additional stress would be difficult on a, a fetus. So it's... Yeah, I think that's what most people kind of just like throw, they kind of disregard that, you know, women can, I'm not saying should or are always going to, but they can get pregnant. And if you do, then you have to worry about a whole different life. And it's like, um, I can't assume what that's like, but I know that, you know, there's definitely like a physical disadvantage if you do become pregnant. Um, so... But with with selective service registration specifically to tie us back to kind of what we started with with this, um, I will agree with the statement here. And I do think it should be registration for all. Yes. uh, Because what they state here, and this was kind of like one of those, like the public statement at the end of the thing was the this is a quote from Deborah Wada, who was the panel's vice chair. um, And it says a qualified and capable force means we must extend the registration requirement to all Americans, men and women. And the reason you make that statement is to say, if we're all required to show up at some point to get interviewed and get screened to then potentially serve, we're going to find those ones we can put into really critical roles yeah. who have specific skills that could really help us out. Like I imagine the stuff that, that I do, right? I guarantee there's some, some HF like radio wizard out there who's a female that if we go into a major war conflict and we had selective service like this and they came and interviewed and like, what skills do you have? I, I'm like, I work for this radio company and I, you know, do all this up, like, yes, yes, we should definitely bring yeah. you in and help us train Marines how to do this. And we can make sure that we have one of these amazing radio wizards, you know, and so to, to miss out on the opportunity to interview someone who could serve in specific roles, like that, it seems like we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. So. Yeah. I mean, and even with like, you know, even more sort of combat orientated roles, like I know some chicks that are badass. They're oh, badass. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they could serve in those, you know, more, more, <laughs> combat serve hell, roles hell of a lot more badass than i am like <laughs> <laughs> so they're there it's just there's just there's not a lot you know but but they are there but i wouldn't and, and i think this is what we we're kind of the core of the discussion is that but i wouldn't limit my options because there's only a few so why no like it's worth the time and effort yes yeah, it's, it's especially still- if they want to do that, to provide them with the opportunity to perform the same, like, no, it's absolutely worth it. Yeah, it's it's still a person that that can, as long as they have this the same standards. So that's another thing that I want to differentiate when, it, especially when it comes to like combat roles, um, they need to have the same standards as males. So, yeah, and I, I would I would agree even on like regular fitness tests, if there was just a standard that yeah. is like it's all the same, and if you do better than this, then you get it, rather than having like male and female numbers for stuff. It's frustrating and it's a tough argument. Um, because it would then go back to kind of the others that saying that they won't get promoted as fast because they will inherently have lower scores because they're not as strong. Like you suddenly you're you're not talking into your own thing. Then I don't know. It's just yeah. It's it's a it's a weird. It gets in like a weird area, but at the end of the day, yeah, like, just for everybody that's like why we're trying to like avoid certain things. Saying it's like listen as a I can say it as like a I'm not active anymore. But if I got shot and somebody had to pick me up and move me somewhere, I need somebody to pick me up and move me somewhere. All right. Whether, whether the person's 124 pound male or female, 
I need you to pick my ass up and fucking move me. And if you can't, then there's a problem. So I've, I've advocated for one specific change uh, to some of our fitness test stuff on that specific metric, which is that right now, you know, actually you got out before the CFT started. Yeah. But I know about the CFT. Yeah. So in the CFT, there's a portion where you do a fireman's carry, right? So you've done this portion of the circuit, you've gone down, you pick up, pick up whoever your partner is, you drag them backwards for a while, stand them up and then put them into a fireman's carry and carry them back 50 yards to the other thing and then set them down, pick up ammo cans and go. So the rule right now is you have to get somebody who you're going to drag and fireman's carry who's within plus or minus five pounds of you. So they're basically your body weight and you're going to carry them so that it can be this fair fitness thing. I was like, no, no. Yeah. I want it to be a dummy, like literally a body dummy. That is the standard all across the Marine Corps. Every single S3 who does training for us has the exact same dummy, like three or four of them sitting in some locker somewhere. Right. That weighs like 175 pounds. Call it that somewhere in the middle. So that maybe even a little more than that. 185. I don't know. Something that we can figure out what the average is, say that's going to be the weight. So because it makes it real, the the 150-pound skinny dude who can run really fast on the PFT, yeah. he's not going to be able to carry that dummy very easily. Yeah. But he's also not going to be able to carry my ass when he needs the fireman to carry me. <laughs> so it makes it a valid test. Like He may then wake up and go, I probably do need to put a little more muscle on so that I can actually carry my buddies in case one of us gets injured. But then the like 240-pound freaking brick shit has like that dude's gonna be like pick up dummy like run it down the field and like set yep, it down like, exactly okay yeah. well that dude crushes that but how many pulls do you think he's doing yeah <laughs> how fast do you think he's running three miles yeah. probably not that much and some of them are like just still really good at that so you, then you go can uh can he be on my team when we go somewhere? <laughs> yeah. I want to make sure that person picks me up and goes so like and that's not just saying he or she like that could still be a female that's just that ripped ready to go carry yeah. you like totally possible um, it's just my experience has been mostly that's just this huge dude. You're like, oh my god, some bouncer probably at the bar. That that dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I I told I, yeah I like agree. Well, and even if it's just like, if it's a dummy where somebody's like, you know, even drastically, um, the weight difference is that drastic where like the dummy is like say 180 pounds, but the person weighs like 150 or 140 pounds. Like maybe have like, maybe not fireman's carry, but at least drag, but with a penalty. You know what I mean? Like with a with the CFT penalty. Like if, if you can still drag them, you know, within a certain time frame to somewhere, at least you got them out of the fucking area. You know what I mean? But ideally, yeah. fireman's carry. Yeah, I mean, so like, say it's 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 a I don't care. It you drag from there yeah. to there, which is right, the first right. part. Like get them out of this spot, and then however you get them from there to there, that's up to you. Yeah. Just so you know, the fastest way is fireman's carry. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> if you just keep on dragging you're gonna be burned out it's gonna be bad yeah so i will tell you like even just the you drag them about actually i guess so it's a more than 50 yard fireman's carry it's probably like 60 because i think you do a 10 10 yard drag that 10 yard drag is what floors you like just dragging that person back out of the like the hot zone is what it's supposed to simulate is is the one thing that most certainly like completely floors your body like, you were just smoked from dragging that person <laughs> across the ground I gotta try doing that sometime. It's pretty fun. It, it's a good event. Um, well, I, I've done it in I, like. I coach people to do it sometimes. So. I've done dragging in jujitsu. Like I, you know, we've had uh, people with like gis on that would like you know collar drag them for like a while. Yeah. yeah, but you know, um, yeah, it's different. I'm not you know I'm not active anymore, so I've never done the CFT. I wonder how I do now as a 
41 year old old guy so <laughs> our numbers are a little different but yeah yeah <laughs> they give us a little bit of leeway although i did just find out like at 39 not 40 yet so the pull-ups numbers went up i still don't drop back down to 20 until next year like <laughs> so i still have to do 22 oh yeah there's 22 pull-ups did you know wow it's, uh the, the the like 19 and 20 year olds have to do like 24 for holy max. shit all right yeah it, it's gone up well it's crazy it's crazy because i could do more pull-ups when i got out of the marine corps than when i was in so mm-hmm. like <laughs> i did a p90x and i was doing like 40 pull-ups on that program and i was just like this is easy now like oh what the fuck yeah. like i don't how whatever the marine corps is doing to like teach how to do pull-ups i was like and i was doing like like not fucking kevin pull-ups i was doing marine corps pull-ups like dead fucking you know all the way all the way extended doing like 40 and i was just like but i think the way that we we we're taught in the marine corps like what we focus on um is little sometimes it's hit or miss so yeah yeah. and i'll say too p90x is a really good system yeah yeah i thought it was a joke until i did it a couple times and yeah that's when i learned how to get into yoga so, yeah. yeah yeah between so it's it's gonna be the two that you don't either didn't even know what that was when you started or think that's not for that's not for getting strong yeah yoga and the plyometrics like yeah. those two <laughs> freaking destroyed me i was yeah. like oh my god plyo like you're just jumping back and forth for plyo and suddenly like the next day i'm like my legs are just shot yeah i'm so tired it's crazy yeah um so the second part of this and I think we're at second. I may have kind of made it three parts, I guess, uh, is that I don't think service needs to be military service for that citizenship concept. So we did talk about two, two like groups that would be a part of our country at that point. You'd have residents who have access to everything and they are a part of um, our system. They're residents in the country. I would say there would still be a process if you're like an immigrant to become a resident. And then you could then potentially get into a service role, do your two years, Sorry, in a service position and then have full citizenship and can now vote. Um, so I, I think the issue that I have most of the time with it is I know I'm not going to be able to come up with the list by myself of all of the roles that would fulfill that requirement as a, as a service role. So I think there would need to be like a system for applying to the government to have um, like a, a service that you run become recognized by the government as a service role so like if you start a nonprofit organization that does a specific thing or whatever you should be able to as a part of that nonprofit organization application say hey my organization does these things could two years worth of working for me in this organization count for all of my employees to become citizens and i would think in most cases especially with nonprofits like it probably would be in most cases um did i get me and you sitting down for a week couldn't come up with the comprehensive list of every single type of job that could possibly qualify. So that's why I think the that part of it would need to be would need to be a bureaucratic system, sort of that is an application to become one of those those uh, things. Well, I think if, if if we came down with like a we can we can probably come up with a list of yeah. of like requirements that that's definitely possible within like a week or so, and then like have does, people apply. Does your company do this or this? Like yeah, yeah okay. Like do, do, like do you you know do you serve your community you know uh i guess well i guess that was my first one right like how do you serve your community but that basically yeah. like checklist down like how do you serve your community in like a very specific form and i think that um that would be an easy way to kind of like choose pick and choose like which ones would qualify or not and maybe 
it would come down to like a, a committee of like, hey, you know, if they yeah. meet these certain requirements, then they're good, they're in. And that's what I think. So like, yeah, the form would kind of ask you questions. And it's like, if at any point in this, you said no to any of these questions, like don't send this form in because you're not, <laughs> you're not going to get selected. Yeah. But once you do, then it gets reviewed by that committee or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, some similar or some kind of government organization would have to be created, which again, people don't necessarily want because that means people who are getting paid to do these jobs. Um, but I do think that this is an important one. Um, this is the equivalent on a national level as a society level of that, that mock Congress concept, right? This is us all saying like this knowledge and this experience is important to being a part of our society. Um, and I, I would say too, so something would need to be part of it too, is that you don't have to be 18 years old for those two years to start. Like if you started working that in high school at, at 15 or 16 years old, whatever the state's law is for like the earliest you can start working. Age, yeah. If you get your two years out of the way before you're 18, you're, you're good. Like that time is already done. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Cause yeah, you can definitely put in work, you know, before, mm -hmm. before you're an adult. So, I mean, we, we all work for, well, most of us, I would say, I don't know, won't say all, most of us work <laughs> before we're adults. All. Yeah. I mean, I started working when I was like 13. So <laughs> I'll say me and you and the people probably listening to this podcast all day, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> some people listen to this podcast might not even not might not ever work. Um, real work, you know, it's possible. I mean, you can be a trust fund baby, which is fine. I mean, your parents got you through it, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I would. I don't know. I'm too optimistic sometimes. Uh, like, I think the best of people in most cases, um, it's kind of a, you know, you know, um, how they tell you on those jo like job interview questions, like, what would you say is one of your weaknesses, like give a weakness that doesn't ever sound like a weakness, like say, yeah. say, say something super positive, but you do like to the extreme. So it becomes this negative thing. You're like, okay, it's not really telling me negative, but thanks. I appreciate it. That's kind of, that's kind of one of mine. It's like, I generally believe other people are often like so good or so much better than they actually are that that then becomes like kind of a problem for me in certain cases. <laughs> that's what my girlfriend says. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't trust people as much as I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally understand. I'm trusting a person. <laughs> I mean, I'm trusting to a certain level. Like, there's people that I'll, I can write off, like, right away, you know. But yeah. there's some people, yeah, where I, 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 get, I like to give the benefit of the doubt to people. Like, I, yeah. I get – I will let you show me how if you fucked up. You know what I mean? But you got to show me you fucked up before I, I usually pass some sort of judgment. Like, I'm usually just not like, oh, you know, I'm not going to give you any kind of chance. But prove to me that, you know, you're a bad person. And that's – that's generally my belief. Um, and, and I am probably willing to, after a period of time, like give someone a second chance. Like, okay, you, right. you're saying, and you're, you've done something maybe to try to prove that you want to try again. Cool. Try to redeem yourself. That's fine. Cause I think people generally have the best intentions. They might be looking out for their own interests, depending on whether they're in a scarcity or an abundance mindset. <laughs> again, um, message. <laughs> message. Check out the store. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I, I am going to change that shirt. I'm going to make it a little bit cooler. Trust me. So, so hold off for a second, but it'll be there. Um, or get one now and then you'll have the original. Yeah. Those are worth more, right? <laughs> yeah, it'd be short, short run. Yeah. Cause it won't, won't be the way it is going forward. But I, I, I do think that people generally have good intentions. They might be, they might be kind of self-driven, self-interested in order to try to get to a spot where, um, they are able to feel like they've moved into probably level three of Maslow's hierarchy. They feel comfortable with all of the needs one and two, but then are in like third level, like 
once you're there, you can then really be external, right? So I think most people have good intentions, um, but sometimes are misguided. Yeah. Yeah, getting, so. getting to that, like going up that level of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy, like it's very difficult for people to even understand like where they even land on that like pyramid. And then like, yeah, I think most people think that like they're doing okay because their bills are basically paid. But it's like, well, like if you lost your job today, like what would happen to you? Like how long would you last? Would it yeah. be days? Would it be weeks? Would it be months? You know, and then why is that? You know, it's like those are problems that people don't, people don't think about it because they're like they're difficult things to think about. But then once you get to a point to where you don't have to worry about that anymore, that's when you're actually climbing the pyramid. Like once you're like, oh well, you know, my bills are no longer an issue. Yeah. That's when you 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 meet some modicum of of real freedom, as far as I'm concerned. When you when you, what was it we were talking about that one time? It was like I honestly don't even know how many subscription things I pay for it. Sometimes I'm like, Wait. <laughs> yeah. What just came out? What was that one? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's once it's covered, it's like once you can turn on yeah. auto pay for like the vast majority of your shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you're at least at level three. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where I go with that is that it's, I generally am a little too trusting on that. So my concern with the idea of like an application to become an organization that counts as getting uh, credit for becoming like a citizen is just that, 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 that system becomes corrupt. Right. And then suddenly McDonald's serves as community um, because hey, they, you know, provide food to the community. They do. Um, they, they provide jobs for people who are there. It's interacting with your customers. You're concerned about like, am I providing them with, you know, a good quality of food and these other things. And suddenly like that qualifies when the goal of that organization is just to make money. Yeah. So that, uh, I think what we... you covered that with like the whole saying that you have to be a nonprofit. So I think that would, that would drastically cut down those issues. That was a great idea. Um, mm -hmm. My girlfriend actually had an idea like talking about this years ago. Cause she's a, well, she was a program manager. Now she's doing a training, but she was like, you know what? The government just needs like program managers. Like, to like sit down and like actually oversee programs and like when they're fucking up, like actually come in and like, hey, this isn't working right. Like we need to change these things. But we have no like real program managers. We have no real oversight because the oversight committees, um, they're kind of toothless right now. Yeah. And uh, we still have, you know, lobbying, which is basically bribery. And if we if as long as we have lobbying, which is basically bribery in place in America, uh, we're just going to spin our wheels with like anything even close to like what we're talking about. Because like that lobbying will permeate into the people that are overseeing what we're trying to accomplish. And so that's like one of the things that we'd have to eliminate. So I think lobbying needs to be a whole topic. Okay. Um, but I did want to make one point on it, but I think we'll have to like expand this conversation because I do think lobbying has enough information in it and enough of a, a, a prop, it is enough of a problem the way it's being run right now. Um, but like, like many things we talk about, like it, it, it had to have started with some good intentions, right? Like what, why was it there? It was in order to make sure that um, certain groups had the ability to have their voice heard by Congress 
um, in order to make sure they get things through. So like, I always think of like, um, workers unions are a pretty strong lobby, right? So there's, there's certain lobbying groups that represent different workers unions. Yeah. And those are definitely a powerful group that's there. And do I think that it's wrong that these workers are fighting to make sure that they're, or these unions are fighting to make sure that their workers specifically are protected? I don't, I think that that's good. But then the, it's probably all of the second and third order effects that weren't considered whenever those rules were passed that haven't been able to be fixed because the lobbies are keeping them happening. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I mean, most, most the most effective lobbying groups are probably not union groups or any, any, any anything that has to do with the people. It has to do with corporations. And that's that's the main problem. So I, I think if, like, okay, I'll give a caveat. Because right, what, obviously what you said was very valid. Like if it's a union group, even though I don't agree with unions, like hardly at all, but I understand the point. I understand they gave American workers, um, you know, like 40-hour work weeks and vacations, and all, like very valid things. Um, Got us up to number 30. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> number 30, Jesus Christ. Uh, that's a, that should be a t-shirt as well, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> just, just that, hashtag 30. Yeah, hashtag we're 30. <laughs> anyway, um, with all those things said, like I think that actual corporations lobbying for corporations for their interest is wrong. Like, yeah, a, a, a union has, like, obviously at, at, on some level actually trying to protect workers, even though they're making a profit sort of off of that because you have to pay union dues. Uh, I used to be in union, so I know all about union dues. Um but yeah, I don't think you should have corporations that are lobbying um, and paying for, you know, these people that represent us, like millions of dollars a year, or even sometimes billions of dollars a year, um, to get a corporate interest across. A corporate interest is not an American um, interest. Any corporate interest, if you're a publicly traded company, you're all at profits. That's that's your entire goal in America because we're a capitalist country. Right, your entire goal is to make profits. It's it's and it's too. Sorry, go ahead. No, I think yeah, yeah, and, okay. and there's there's some benefits to that, and I think it's just a balancing act, right? And we talk yeah. about like anything that's pure is is not real. First off, it doesn't exist, and is generally not a good idea. So it's a balancing act between that ability to seek those profits in the right places, and then the ability to say those things don't bleed into this stuff. Like this stuff over here is not allowed to touch that. So. Well, yeah, and I think it's it, – well, it's weird when we talk about, like, profits. Cause like I said before, like, when you talk about any sorts of profits from, from corporations, we're literally talking about wage theft. Like, that's what it gets into is wage theft. Yeah. Th that's how you're making your profit. So um, I, I don't think it's right that we're – that a corporation that is literally pulling off wage theft from their employees can take that wage theft and use that against their employees through, you know, lobbying wow. money. You know, yeah. it, it, it's wrong. It's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, it's like, it's cyclical and it, it needs to end. Do you have the ability to tell me like right now off the top of your head, the difference between like nonprofit and then not for profit? I believe there is a difference between the two, right? <sighs> no, I, I don't know off the top of my head. No, we'd have to look it up. Okay. That's something we may look up or get, see if I can get someone who's better with the, the, that level of financial systems understanding and like I have a perfect uh, guy. I have a guy. I do. I was gonna have him on to talk about um, other financial matters. His name is Patrick. He's a good dude. He's a beer guy. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's have him on uh, next season because I, I talked to him a couple of months ago actually, 
about coming on the podcast okay. to talk about um, some financial means. So yeah, let's have on next season to talk about stuff like this. Yeah, I, I'm I'm willing to like put on paper season two episode one like financial systems. Well, actually, like, and we just have them on for the first episode. I, no, 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 no. Actually, yeah, no, that that's fine. I was thinking about like the last one of this season because I think the last one of the no, season no. is going to be about um, shit. The don't don't spoil it. Okay. Well, spoilers. It was some. It was, it was requested by a viewer. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about that one. I saw that. I saw that in the notes. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, because to me, I was just thinking like, if you're talking about unions are able to make any money, to me that's wrong. A union should be a nonprofit organization. That's the only way they can register. That's the only way they can function. Um, and the the lobbying costs have to be a part of that. Like, if you're going to go and you're going to advocate, you have to account for all of those things in order to consider yourself still a nonprofit and still function as a union. But then I suddenly thought, I was like, wait, is there a difference between nonprofit and not-for-profit and which one does it need to be so that I make sure that they aren't like taking more money from us than they really need as a union member, right? So anyways, that was where my brain started spiraling to. No, it, it, no, that's good though, because when I talk about unions, it gets them like the, the sort of libertarian part of me. So when you talk about like, you know, reducing taxes and like, well, especially like the last episode we had, or maybe it was two ago, when I was bringing up social security and you were like, nah, social security. Cause people should yeah, be able to like, one, yeah, yeah. yeah, they should be able to like, you know, do their own investments. You're right. Obviously you're right. Um, Cause people should, but it's an educational problem, which is yeah. everything we talk about. It's kind of like in layers. Right. Um, but when it comes to like unions, to me as a highly skilled worker, I'm like, look, listen, if I don't, if I don't like my job, I'll just leave my job and I'll, I'll find a better job. Um, but some people, they can't do that. Like, depending on your skill level, you might not be able to do that. So you you outsource your build, your your buying power as uh, a worker to an entity to do things on your behalf. Yeah. Which is, to me, it's strange, um, only because I'm at a certain skill level. But when I was at the lower skill level, it was amazing because I was like, I was 18, 17, 18, 17 or 18 years old working for UPS back in the late 90s and I was getting paid 8.85 an hour which back then was a lot and I had full benefits and anything, anything over 6 hours was uh overtime anything over 8 hours was double time and I was like how is this legal <laughs> cuz you got a good union oh yeah it was great <laughs> and but I mean so it's like what it does is like you said it provides them with some kind of power when generally we would consider unskilled laborers or whatever to have like no leverage against the organization. Yeah. So what the company would say is if any one case, like you just said, like if I don't like working here, I'll leave. Well, it's an unskilled laborer. They'll replace you yeah. fast. One person. Easy. Can I replace 600 people instantly by tomorrow? No. And I'm going to have to shut down and I'm suddenly going to lose profits. Okay. I don't want all of you to leave. What is it we want to deal? Let's find a, let's find a way we can come to an agreement here. Meanwhile, can you guys keep working? So can just one of y'all come over here and talk to me about this? And that's how you get like union reps is that, yeah. hey, they're going to they're gonna do that negotiation so that the workers still have ability that he can be like, look, if you don't meet these requirements by Tuesday, um, we're all walking outside and we're going to let everybody know how messed up it is to work here right now. So that, it gives them that little bit of leverage because most of those types of places, like the first one that comes to my mind is the, is the one that, originally got me to understand unions there's like um oh my god i can't believe i can't think of the book but it was a an older book from basically it was told in the time of like it was either the early 1900s i think and it's like a meat packing facility and people are getting hurt and all this other stuff 
that's still happening in yeah. meatpacking facilities. They are still going through like very, very unsafe working conditions, um, even though they have unions. So like, what is the union doing? They're making money. <laughs> making money. So yeah. they need to be protecting their people. And that's that's where I yeah, that's where I'm getting frustrated with it, I think, because I, I watched I watched that John Oliver on meatpacking facilities and I was like, What the heck? <laughs> yeah, I mean it well, it comes down to, you know, the, the whole profit thing. It's like I understand that if you're a corporation, you know, you want to make some profits. But when you when you're making billions or trillions of dollars a year and you're paying out bonuses to your executive branches and, you know, your managerial, you know, people Meanwhile, yeah, people that are getting paid, you know, less than $10 an hour and it, it, but everything that you're making, you're getting all these bonuses and profits from is the worker. Like, why aren't you distributing the profits evenly across or more evenly across your organization? Like, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm all with you of like, listen, the organization would not exist had it not been for like the, the person that made the company and the people that managed it. Yeah. Took that initial risk and, and made that investment, whatever yep. it was. Yeah. To- totally get that. But there, it gets to a point to where, like, hey, listen, if you're making trillions of dollars, like, you need to invest back in your company. When I say invest back in your company, that includes your workers. Like, they're the reason why you're making these trillions or billions or even millions of dollars is because of their hard work. Like, your hard work sort of, like, your physical hard work ended a long time ago if you're a CEO or manager. It ended. Give the respect to, to your actual workers that they deserve through monetary means because they're putting their lives on the line. If you keep pushing them to do things that are harder and harder and, and less and less safe, like, I mean, first of all, safety should be number one. Like, definitely invest in your goddamn safety, you know, or in your worker safety and, and then invest in their actual earnings to keep them happy and safe where they're working to, to not have a revolving door of workers. To me, it's, it's like a no-brainer, you know? Like, I couldn't imagine being a CEO of a company and make it, and like getting a bonus of like millions of dollars. Meanwhile, my uh, my basic worker is getting paid, you know, the minimum wage that was required by the state, it's which not, isn't probably meeting their needs. No, not at all. I mean, if I if I'm getting a bonus of a million dollars, and depending on the size of the company, that that's life changing to every worker in my. Even if I just just distributed it out, like the million dollar bonus. That's life changing for them. Like, why wouldn't you want to keep them around? But you know, that's that's me as a dumbass, I guess. <laughs> but again, that's that's kind of that that mentality is the separate part of it, which I'm fine with people getting towards. But think about it this way too: if if all that person has ever done, you mentioned the trust fund person, right? So if if the the child of a person who runs that company as a CEO has never had to do the work, has never participated in the civil service program has not gone and like done time where they have to work. And the only work that they're doing is to help other people to learn what it is to actually dedicate your time and your effort into helping others. Right. You've never done that. So you don't get to vote. You don't have a say, you don't have a say in, in the system. You're not able to make decisions at the lobbying level. Like you're not the person who's going to go and, and make decisions. Then those of us who now, did that and think about the welfare of other people, make the decisions, we'll put things in place to protect those people who are working. Um, my only concern would be if, if, you know, I think you mentioned it too, and it's kind of occurred to me just as I was saying this, um, those people who like have that worker type job, 
uh, like I'm, I'm just making a wage and I'm barely making ends meet. Do they have the latitude and leverage to move into a role that's potentially lower paying? I would think it shouldn't be, it should definitely meet a, a standard of living requirement um, to do this kind of service job. Do I have that leverage? Like, do I have that latitude to be able to make that, that transition so that I can have a say? Um, it concerns me that maybe we still marginalize people who don't have the money to, or, or like aren't in a position in their life to, to dedicate that kind of time. So we would just need to make sure that those roles and those jobs provide a wage that is able to uh, like make sure that they can still live their own life, be above, you know, at least in level two functioning uh, safely and not necessarily, and then, then be worrying about level three. You know what I'm going to say, right? UBI. Uh, UBI? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, this, this is literally what it's like. One of the one of the main reasons what it's for is to give them the floor to like give them some sort of leverage. Like, listen, if, you, if you're working some shitty job and you don't like it, like you just leave and your basic needs are met. So what if, okay, so I'm going to take UBI to level two say you're doing one of these jobs right mm -hmm. you if you're in a role in a, in a job that qualifies for civil service qualification for those two years you automatically qualify for ubi version two because we're talking about the other ubis all citizens anybody who's here you get a little bit of a stipend make sure you have some money to spend yeah ubi level two is kind of like my housing allowance or like COLA works, there's an assessment done for the region that you live in that you determine what the basic standard of living requirement would be. And the pay for any of those positions has to be at least that. Yeah. I, that'd be great. Because, because then you're, you're like, it's based on real stuff because living there is different than living here is different than living in Wyoming. Yeah. Um, and it, it's going to sound bad, but like, say I work for the park service and I'm a park service ranger here at, at, um, Joshua Tree National Park. Living in Joshua Tree is really expensive right now because all the Airbnb people are buying up all the properties and then renting them up for Airbnb. Really? I didn't, so if I want to buy a, huh? <laughs> I didn't know that, but all right. <laughs> it's expensive in Joshua Tree, especially. So to buy like a small apartment would be expensive. Well, and that's assuming purchasing a property, not even just renting it. Renting is even worse. Um, so then, so then, you know, that analysis should be done for, compared to like someone who's in, um, you know, Arizona at a national park or in Wyoming at a national park, like working there, which is going to be weird for people because you'd be like, but I'm a park ranger at, for the national parks with one year's worth of service. Why am I not getting paid the same as the national park rangers and else? But I think that that system, once clearly articulated, would totally make sense. Yeah. I, I or, it's, or it's offset compensated the same way Mars is like, there's just an additional one. Like you have your base pay and then a local stipend kind of thing like BAH is or like a uh, COLA would be or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely offset it with, you know, local and state taxes, like depending on where you're nah. at. So that, that'd, no, be no, the, no. that'd be the, that'd be the. To hit the acronyms, sorry, let me, so to hit acronyms, I did, I did use a couple, I just realized. So COLA did, is yeah. cost of living allowance <laughs> for, for us. And then uh, BAH is a basic allowance for housing. So based on where I'm living, I get a certain amount of money to, to pay for a house. Sorry. I realized I'm like, oh, I'm just throwing acronyms at the people. No, no. I, know. I apologize as well, because I knew what you're talking about. But obviously, if you're a civilian and never served in the military, yeah. you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> so thank yeah. you. But yeah. yeah um, no, were, we, were we talking about at one point where you said like that's 
there's something that no, I was talking to somebody else. So one of the key differences for those like transitioning is the fact is the use of acronyms. Like we use them a lot, and most civilian companies do not. No, it depends on what, like, on who you work for. Yeah, yeah. it. it whoa, I almost said who I work for. <laughs> who I work for uses a lot of acronyms as well. <laughs> I work for a large corporation. All right, it's pretty big. But yeah, they use a lot of acronyms. But yeah, some companies they they don't at all, and they're yeah, it, it's yeah. weird. And then, and then once you don't use them, um, you kind of forget about them. Like there's been a couple that you've like said to me like in chat, I had to look them up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what the fuck? Man? I knew that one. <laughs> yeah. I knew that one, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> so. I mean, you can just ask. Yeah. No, I'll look guy. it up. I'm not going to be a dumbass. I'll, I'll be done with my own mind, not to you. <laughs> so so I, that's something I try to teach to people and that's, it, it, maybe it's a me philosophy, but I think it's a good philosophy, which is like, never be afraid to ask the question. Yeah. Because yeah. all it's doing, it does two things. It, it shows the other person uh, that you value their knowledge, right? For one. Um, and, and this has to be, I tell it to like, usually to the officers to humble themselves and be willing to ask the Lance Corporal what, what, what they just said meant. Okay. Right? Yeah, that's, that's show awesome. me how to do that because yeah. what you're doing is important. It allows us to accomplish our mission. I want to understand what it is you're doing. Can you show me how you do that? To When you say it that way, especially, right? It's like, oh, this person's interested. They want to know what it is. And I've told them, but like also in the background of it, you're like, you're bullshitting me. That is not true. <laughs> I want you to show me what you're doing because then you can't fake it. You, you got to show me what, what's happening. Yeah. And then maybe they figure out, they're like, oh, okay, I said that the wrong way. I really meant this. Just see that. Like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. And you walk away like, I knew that you were wrong. But <laughs> I wanted to know exactly what he was saying. Yeah. And it makes them feel like you value them. And it also helps you guys stay in an honest conversation. So never be afraid to ask the question. That's a, that's, that's a good point. I will stop dudes like other chief warrant officers or anybody else like briefing something, like literally middle of a brief on a slide, talking through something, some air acronym, something like say, stop. What's that acronym mean? Okay, I know that acronym for a different thing, for a different system, so I just wanted to make sure I was keeping track of what one you're talking about. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, continue. <laughs> like stopping a mid-stride, like tell me what that thing means. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll do that going forward because you know what's funny? I had some, what the fuck was it called? Oh, I just went through this guy named training, inclusionary training. Mm, um, no, you mentioned it, yeah. I didn't tell you, like, I'll tell you offline about what, what happened in this, in this training. It's kind of funny. But anyway, going through like this inclusionary training and it's just like understanding like when, like when to ask questions and kind of like when not to, but usually to ask questions. So, um, but yeah, the acronym thing, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I, I guess I probably, I, I should have asked you, but it's just like, it's just that I, I feel like if I forgot it, like I was like, this looks very familiar, but I forgot, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I could have just asked, it would have been way faster, but then, you know, this is what it is. This is what it comes down to for me is that I feel like if I'm going to ask you to retrieve knowledge that I knew from the past, I'm putting the burden upon you to look up some shit that I can fucking Google. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's so for me because I do. Use, yeah. I do use that 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 um, that kind of as an answer sometimes. So do you know what um, do you know what LMGTFY is? LMGTFY. Yeah. So there's well, a website. Laugh, you can go to mm, okay. lmgtfy.com. Okay, you no. can go there. You go there. And what it stands for is let me Google that for oh, you. Gotcha, gotcha. 
And what it does is you can put in the search that someone asked you as a question on LMGTFY, and then you choose below it which search engine you want to actually send to the person, and you hit it, and then it brings up a page, and you can copy the link. You send them that link, like, oh, here's the answer to your question. What it does <laughs> is it actually gives them like a video presentation of you go to google.com, type in your question, hit search, and oh, look, there's answers. Yeah. Like, why are you asking me a question that you know I don't know the answer to? I'm just going to Google it anyways. Why don't you just Google it? Why, why, why are you asking me? Yeah. It's the same thing as what I, the, the reverse technical answer to that for me, which is probably one you might actually be to, is RTFM. It's like, read, read the, the fucking, fucking manual. manual. Yeah. <laughs> why, why are you asking me? A question I'm going to have to pull out the, the TM for, like this technical manual on a system. Like, no, I don't remember what the clocking speed for one processor on one particular type of system is. Like, well, I hold on. Look it up. There's, so a, you. there's an important caveat here is because um, people like me and you, we have a bunch of knowledge, right? Yeah. And then for people like to ask us, I don't want to say stupid questions, but questions that are, fuck it, I'll just say it. It's just stupid. There's sometimes there's stupid questions where it's like, listen, I don't want to look this shit up. You can look this shit up. And if you want to get to like the level that I'm at, you look shit up. Yeah. So. That's what I mean. a lot. Yeah. Well, and, and generally that level of a technical question is not relevant to the actual conversation. Like, yeah. Why? It doesn't matter. That's not. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something else. And yes, I could look that up. And I know that what you're asking means that's not relevant. So moving on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm telling you. Oh yeah. LMGTFY. Yeah. I, I do that stuff. Like, I get people. So in my organization. I'm, I guess, a level three engineer now, which is kind of weird because I, I didn't really want to be a level three engineer, but I am. But I get questions from like L1 and they'll ask me like these, these silly questions. And I'm just like, I'm just, I'm looking up stuff that you can look up. You know, these are all things that you should know, you know, or even people at level two. And it's like, these are things that you should know. I knew them when I was level two. Um, I don't know why you can't use the same tools that I'm using to look these things up. But also, I'm also getting paid way more than you. So, you know, whatever. That's, that's the offset. You know, when I think when I think about it, in the, you know, when you're in the Marine Corps. Well, I, it is kind of the same because you're high up there on the one officer side. So it's a little bit of the same, um, but it's more drastic when you're in the, on the civilian side, like way more drastic. <laughs> yeah. So like today we did a book discussion um, on kill chain, which we talked about. Nice. Great book. Um, with, Thanks for the recommendation. So several lieutenants attended. Yeah, it's very good. I definitely recommend that anybody listening right now re reads that book or listens to it. Um, so we had like a kind of a open discussion forum and we invited several lieutenants from the BCOC if they wanted to come and sit in and talk about BCOC. It. Yeah. The, um, so it's the entry level communications officers. So a bunch of lieutenants, like very new okay. Marines, uh, but officers, right? So a different mentality, uh, than my like entry level in this Marines. Um, and it was funny cause at one point one of the captains was like explaining to them, like, you're going to be tasked at a certain point to do something else by someone that will interfere with your ability to train your unit, right? Like you're like, Hey, I have to get, I have, I have training planned and this is what we're planning to do. Someone's going to ask for something that's going to make you stop that. You have to be comfortable enough with what you're doing with your plan to clarify with them and maybe say no, or ask for a delay in their deadline or whatever it is so that you can still accomplish your training. And uh, one of the other captains was like, never say no, like, don't say no. Don't tell them you're not doing that. What you have to do is say like, the, and I agree with it because you have to reframe it. Because if you just tell someone no, you're going to get fired. <laughs> so, <laughs> what you have to do is say like, hey, these are the things I'm trying to accomplish for our training. This is the thing you're asking me to do, which will cause me to stop that. Which one do you want me to do? Now you have to make a decision as the leader. Like, 
what thing do you want? Do you want the thing you just told me about? Or you want the thing that we want long-term over here? And I can do either one, but I just need to know so I better understand what your objectives are. Shape it differently, right? I was like, okay, cool. So, that, But being me, I was like, I, just, I need to, I have to caveat real quick. You all need to expect me to tell you no. I will just tell you no. Because I'm, yeah, I'm going to be doing this for 22 years, and I will tell you that will not work. Yeah, I'll, I'll, what you are doing I'll right now, no. what you are planning right now, what you are trying to say right now, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. So just expect me to tell you no. That's what you're paying me for. So. <laughs> I say, I've been trying to explain to uh, to my partner, my girlfriend, um, which is where – this is the – I keep going back to it again. When I say my partner, I always assume in the back of my head somebody's going to think that I'm gay. There's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. If I was gay, I wouldn't really give a shit, obviously. But I have a girlfriend – is my partner been together for a long time anyway i've been trying to get her to like understand the power of no in her like in her job like when somebody asks you to do something you can just say no like just it's like dare but better yeah. just say fucking because the problem with it's I, different for her though it's different for her it is she's a female that what well, that's what i'm you know we're trying to she's like work woman. we're trying to work yeah. through it you know, to try to get her to like have, and it's weird because like to have a, a female have a more masculine um, mindset when it comes to these kind of, kinds of things, but it it pays dividends when work starts eating into like your personal life, right? Is is the power of no, and it comes down like the next book after you're done with AO, um, you should definitely read um, A World Without Email because we've basically we've really messed up our lives. Um, as people that use email and it's a messenger and stuff like that through, from work through unrealistic expectations. Yeah. So uh, have you read The Burnout Generation? No, but it's probably, it's on, probably, the it's probably <laughs> on the same lines where it's like you can never leave work. Like you're yes. sitting on the couch, people can still reach you and you can still be doing work. So why not just do work and you just never stop? Yeah, this is what it's basically about. Yeah. And so I, <laughs> I've been doing IT for 23, 24 years now. Um, at this point in time, I don't, I don't have OWA on my phone. I don't check emails on my phone. I don't have a work phone when I'm done with work. I'm done with work. Like they know you can't, unless it's like a legit emergency, like when somebody's out sick and there's like a seven one, then yes, you can definitely call me and I'll pick up the phone if it's not on silent already, (laughs) but I will come back to work to like help you out. Um, but I've been working for this job, this specific job for like over 10 years now. And it's happened maybe twice with that's happened. But, so I do I do something similar. I have never had a work phone. I don't get my email from work while I'm at home unless I'm working from home, right? And then I might have it set up, but I'm not going to be checking it after normal working hours. Yeah. Um, and it even is to the point, like, I have – I know we have different phones because I have iPhone. You have an Android phone. But, like, um, it, yeah, I have Do Not Disturb set up. So as yep. soon as, like, 10 o'clock rolls around, I'm not going to hear a phone call or a message or anything. So I have to make sure to add at least – and it's only one person who is my, one of my supervisors or whatever. I will add my CO to my favorites. And if you call twice, like if you call and you call back within five minutes, it'll ring through on do not disturb. I t- and I have to brief them on this because most of them don't know. I'm like, hey, I will have do not disturb turned on because I don't want to hear the first off. I don't want to hear Discord go ding, 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 ding every two minutes. <laughs> yep. Discord will not stop chiming because it's people from all around the and world. And I've heard it on the podcast today. You have, yeah, I heard mine, I've heard yours. <laughs> but, uh, it, so, but like, yeah, if you call, it will, it will not ring through. But if you call back within like two minutes or five minutes or something, it will ring through and that'll let me know that it's like a serious emergency you need me in. But like most cases, he doesn't need me there. 
Yeah, and this is the like the whole like email instant messenger thing. This is the problem that I'll I'll lay out the best the basic premise. It's the unrealistic expectations that we put up on each other when it comes to like electronic messaging services. Is if I message you and then I rep- if if someone messages me and I respond back to them in a in a reasonable amount of time, they're gonna expect that always. And if I keep responding back faster and faster. You're gonna always expect for me to respond faster and faster. So if I'm double, if I'm working in normal nine to five, nine to five, which I don't right now, um, and someone messages me at like eight o'clock at night, and I message them at eight fifteen, they assume that that's my working hours. That that's the way any reasonable human being would assume that. Hey, you're available at eight fifteen, three hours and fifteen minutes after your shift has ended. Yeah. No. And so and it keeps going like. All throughout the night. And so what happens when you uh, wake up in the morning, you check your email, thousands of, hundreds, maybe tens, maybe less, but you have emails that are waiting for you in your queue. And you consciously decide that, hey, I need to respond to these faster and faster. And the person that you're responding to is expecting you to respond faster and faster because they responded faster and faster. And it's this cycle of suck that we all are just used to. Not all, but most people are used to of just like the cycle of suck. Yeah, and imagine imagine it on a global perspective too. I can imagine with the organization yep. there's some of that. Um, so like being in Japan and then receiving emails from Hawaii and California and the East Coast, um, and those are going to come through overnight. So when I come in in the morning, I have to like respond to some. But I'm I've gotten really good at the global awareness. Where I'm like, okay, well I'm going to respond to his first because he's still at work, and then they're asleep. Yeah, and then like let me go through and be like answer this one and then that one and then this one and then that one because. The time difference, those are the only ones that matter to do right now. Because like you said, I do try to consider where other people are. And I, it baffles me that in my community, especially like people who deal with space resources, like, <laughs> dude, that thing is global. Like it's covering a third of the earth. You can't imagine time zones. Like, how is it not? <laughs> yeah. Why is that so difficult for you? Like I always, I, I, I did it three times today at least. I'm about to send an email or send a message on Teams. And I'm like, what time is it there? Okay, yeah, they're still there. Send the message. Uh, so you can schedule emails. Like people could do that if they were courteous of the other person's time. Well, there's also, I've used the, listen, this is me kind of being sort of an asshole. I've used this, this same concept as like a buffer because it's asynchronous communication is what it really is. Right. So there's times where I know, like where I have a customer and I'm like, I'm looking up shit. And so I'll, I'll give them a, a response sort of at the end of either my day or their day as just like something to like give them like a bite and then I just to buy me more time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I need time for research, but it, that, that's the way asynchronous communication works. Um, but it's not the most ideal way to communicate with people. Like no, really ever. Yeah. not ever, but it, for most situations, we're just used to it. Yeah. If, if it's, and again, it depends on the person and your relationship with them. If it's literally professional work only and it's technical and all this, like I'll answer that when I get to it. But, you know, a lot of my peers were also friends. So it's like, well, yeah. okay, what did you need, man? Yeah, let me, I'll take a couple minutes. I can do that right now because I'm doing you a favor and you know that. And as long as that's the understanding between us, this isn't a normal work relationship where I'm going to do this for you every day. Yeah. And as long as that's the thing, that's fine. But yeah, because I get, I get Japan calls from people because like right now they're at work. Yeah. Right. So I'll get random Japan calls like eight o'clock at night. Like, hey, dude, how does, who did you talk to over here? Or how did that work? I was like, Okay, you're gonna to want to call. Let me forward you his contact information. Let me, you know, whatever it is, and I can help you out real quick, no problem. But they know that they're like asking me off time for extra things. So it's different. All right. 
Back on track. I'm sorry. That was like a... We do that, though. You're, y'all used to this by now. This is episode 10. So. 10? No, no. 11. This is 11. This is 11? Oh, shit. Yes, it is. You're right. Yeah, because you edited 10. One more. So after this, there's only one more episode for this season, and then we're going to take a break. So um, yeah. you will see a four-week gap of published episodes um, after the next one. Um, well, this is where so it gets kind of weird, because we had a large buffer for this season. Like, how are we going to do it? Well, we'll figure it out. Fuck it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, that's as far as they're concerned. Yeah. <laughs> the four weeks worth of we're not publishing an episode. Yeah. And and I may be overstepping, so tell me for sure. I think we've agreed between the two seasons, there will be a new YouTube channel, a separate podcast, um, and its own kind of separate isolated thing that will come up. So what you'll see is probably a drop a week before on the new channel. Um, and we'll probably have to let you know somehow. Um, so probably something will drop here to let you know to check out the new channel and we'll put all of season one up on a, a whole separate place yes we definitely will so i control the b the bti side of everything uh the black and the black times infinity and yeah this is not um our our normal niche for our you know the b the bti podcast but i want to make sure that like this worked and it got pretty good uh numbers as far as i'm concerned uh, compared to like the normal podcast so People are picking up on that, so I feel very comfortable with like moving forward with like spinning it off to a separate thing and and uh, and being successful with it. So yeah, the next season this will be on a different uh, channel, but I'll definitely keep promoting it on my main for now channel. <laughs> well, yeah, and for I'm always. Still, yeah, and I'm still mentioning it in most of my groups, and it's kind of funny seeing like the different groups that I participate in who are not not in this like the the few and, and we're like oh that's interesting and are like interested in the topics seeing a few of those pop out what's kind of interesting too is i have a lot of like global uh, people in it from the uk and from australia and it's like it's fun that they're actually almost just as interested in some of the american very american specific focused like social construct stuff that we talk about uh, even though that's like not their construct. It's, I think it's just for the fun of the comparison. Like, oh, that's not how we do it. It's like this. And then being able to like think about it themselves, they definitely are interested. It's pretty cool. Yeah, once you get to like, it's one of the weird things when I first started doing like podcasting is like the, I didn't understand like the whole global reach thing for yeah. a while, but like for a good while, like a lot of our listeners, not for this, not for uh, Balance Exchange, but for like Black and the Black Cats Infinity, like a huge portion of our listeners were from like Brazil and like, I think it was Japan or Korea or some shit like that. And it was like, what? Like it was really, really weird. And now it's kind of even now it's mostly because of like reaction videos, which we're not going to do, uh, you know, on, on this, on this podcast. But it was just very interesting to see like people from like other countries interested in like what we're going to say. But in this podcast, I think it's really good because people get to see like a different take on American, um policies and social constructs and shit like that where like i think some like a lot of places aren't really talking about especially from like two different perspectives you know yeah and i I would love if we were doing this like as our sole job and we're like doing the level of deep like research that like john oliver does because sometimes those things i watch and i'm like man you went deep on this topic that no one's talking about and it's super cool but um right now we're both also working professionals and can't do this full-time. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, I'm sure like when you're researching topics, it takes like a, it takes a good chunk of time, like out of your day. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when I'm doing the other podcasts, like it's like, we can, I could just bullshit, you know, I mean, 
it's not just that bullshit. I research stuff too, but not not anywhere near the level of, of this. <laughs> yeah, there was there's there's four tabs up over here of stuff that I have looked at in order to kind of get prepared. And honestly, like we weren't even sure we were doing this, and I was like, uh, so I started kind of looking, but yeah, it's been it's been fun though. I think that um, we're we're kind of talking like this the last one, but it's next class, so we're we're starting to wind this down. But it's definitely been good. Um, I think as far as this topic goes, do you think that there was anything that I know? Cause you know, pretty much all of the things I want to talk about, especially on this topic. Um, cause we, we have talked about it, at least the, the broad stroke when I did my top 10. Um, is there anything I'm kind of forgetting? I feel like, I feel like I'm pretty good on this. Yeah, I think we're pretty good, but I also want to get, I want to make an emphasis on the actual listeners and viewers of this podcast, uh, because I know that this topic in particular is very, um, controversial because if this did occur, um, it would affect like everybody in America. So what do you think about this entire concept? Like, please leave like your honest concepts, like, or I'm sorry, your honest comments, um, either like wherever you're consuming this, um, whether it's on SoundCloud, I don't think it, I can actually, can I see them on, I can see them on iTunes. So yeah, if you're going to put it on iTunes, I'll see the comments. If you're going to put it on YouTube, I'll, we'll see the comments. If you're going to put it on SoundCloud, we'll see the comments. Um, but I want to know like your honest comments about this concept of like actually having to earn your citizenship in America instead of it just it being granted to you from birth. Yeah. So especially understanding the dividing line between the earned citizenship and the guaranteed um, residency, like you're still going to have access to all of the same, you know, rights and benefits. You still fall underneath the bill of rights. You still are getting everything you're getting now except for you just don't get to have the voice in the say unless you're willing to contribute and learn what it means to like give to others. But again, I, I think my key concern is that, it, you know, the same thing that's going on with the Georgia vote to, to change the way voter registration works is yeah. that you potentially disenfranchise people who should have the ability to, to get there. Um, you know, but like, I think if, if the system's there to support the requirements, that's where the that's where the difference is and that's where my concern is is that if we don't ensure that the system is built first to then process and, and obviously i would think we would do some kind of like a graduated process like you're here now and everybody is is good and then over the next five years we'll slowly but surely implement the system and then at this point it goes into effect and you would need to complete this time people could then start working their two years ahead of it and be like i did my two years i'm, I'm ready if they're really willing to but yeah there, there would have to be an implementation plan that doesn't just automatically disenfranchise a bunch of people, especially poor people. Cause I think both of us agree that that's like, that's a big part for me is I know that if I didn't have the ability to do what I'm doing and maybe if I couldn't have joined the military, I don't know if I would have been able to put myself in a position to be willing to like take that risk to, to maybe not make the wages I needed to make to survive in the situation that I was in. Cause it was very poor and, I wouldn't want to put poor people in this situation where they don't even have an opportunity to participate. Um, that's my biggest concern. Yeah. So as, I'm glad you said that I wrote it down. Um, is that I think in a subsequent episode, we should do like a, maybe like a top five things of what, what, in what order should we start changing America? Like as far as like mm -hmm. our own personal concepts goes, like, what is the first thing, the second thing, the third thing? Because we, we, we've talked about a whole bunch of like concepts on yeah. things to like really improve America. But like, and what, which order should it go into? Because um, 
I think that's really important because there's things that obviously that we talked about like really out of order. Like when we talk about, you know, uh, like when I talk about UBI, like we obviously we have to change a bunch of tax shit. Obviously, yeah. right? That's very obvious. When we talk about this, uh, we'd have to change um, like categories of people. And so that would be like a, a big deal as well. Um, there's like a bunch of other things that we talked about. So obviously, I, I, I want to do that like a, a kind of like a couple episodes away from now. Like really think about like what what should we change first? What would make the most impact on American lives? You know what I mean? To like change it for yeah, the I mean, do then. I don't know. This might be in poor taste. It's kind of, it's probably is a poor taste. Anyways, I'm going to do it anyways. So like if we do this thing where there's residents that don't have the right to vote and don't have everything else, right? So they're not participating in the government stuff, but they're still pulling information or pulling resources from us. And then we have those citizens who did their time uh, serving each other, whatever. Do those who are as residents only count as three-fifths of a person when we do the census? Jesus Christ. Uh... <laughs> All right. It's a fucked up thing that we did, and I can't help <laughs> but like reference it, and it would be terrible if we didn't talk about it. But I was like, oh, this is probably important. No, no, no. Obviously, that's not going to be. No, no it's not. No. Im- it's... no, still a person. Population is there. Sorry. Yes, the reason why it's not important is because you understand the actual significance. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there, there's context and you understand the context and hopefully the, the listeners do too. Um, but yeah, like where do they, to me, the people that are, um, not citizens don't have the right to vote. So they would not be, right. they, they wouldn't even, wouldn't even occur, but on a census, they should just be written down as citizens. Oh, I'm sorry. As yeah, residents. Yeah. yeah. So you total population would still be counted. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, had to make the like not joke. I got it. No, I, I yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming from because I mean it did occur in American history, you know, to where people were not considered people, people that look like me, right. but darker apparently because I'm light skinned. <laughs> Neither did Native Americans, and they lived there too in those areas. Yes, yes, they did. But and that's another thing that's just like another. We should do a whole episode on just like fucked up history in America that are just like totally covered up. Yeah, that would be a decent episode, actually. Yeah. See if we can outdo each other. Let's do like a, a battle, like a the most fucked up historical concepts, like battle, like like bring in your lowest one first, right? So that yeah. way you could come up with a big gun later. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be a good one. And, and the game would be like you can't say the same thing I said, right? Yeah. So if I say it, like, you're like, oh dang, okay, I can't use that was one of mine. I have to cross that one off and I come up with the next one. Like, well, and, and the crazy thing is, is that honestly, like, I think it would be a surprising episode because I think that most people would assume that it's going to be all. Um, non-europeans but it's not the case like it, it, we can talk about all kinds of fucked up shit that happened to like the irish and the uh the italians in america yeah. like there's a lot of fucked up shit that happened to them too but eventually they passed as americans because they couldn't tell them apart <laughs> so you know there's there's that but yeah when it comes to like native american and and uh, african-american and it's just like yeah so much bad Asian, stuff Asian immigrants too yeah, yeah. even to the, today god damn the Asian hate today, I'm sorry, this is the tangent, but the Asian hate that we have in America today, where I see people, like other Americans, like beating up uh, Asians in America, I'm just like, why am I still living here? Like, are you fucking serious? Like, you're beating up people from Asia, like, for what the fuck for? I yeah. mean, it, it comes down to, you know, you know what I'm going to say, is the abundance versus scarcity mindset, you know? It, it really is. It because right so the assumption is that 
if I am living on that edge and they're here, they're taking, so I might end up in a scarcity state mindset. Well, and also if you look like at who is doing better in America, it's Asians and, well, immigrants in, ge- in general, um, once you get past a certain number of years, they do better than most Americans. So Probably because they still believe in the dream and are working for it. Yes. Yes, because Americans, uh, for the most part, have gotten fucking lazy. And I'm not sorry that I said that, because we are. A lot of people are, that's for sure. I think I think I've found people close to me who were there for quite a while that I'm helping turn back around through, you know, attempts at motivation. So I'm hoping, hopefully I'm doing my part, trying. Wait. Oh, we got to talk about that on a different podcast because we're we're, try, we're we're winding down. But there's people you're trying to like turn around from like from what being lazy and just taking from the system, not doing anything, just being uh, here. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Oh, we talked a little. We okay. I understand what you're talking about from previous conversations. Yeah, gotcha. And if you have been here for all of the, all of the podcasts so far, you may have been able to put together some people of who I'm talking about. Yeah, you enlightened me a, a little bit on uh, Social Security on the last one. I, I, haven't done, I haven't put in the research yet, but I'm going to. Yeah. So we talked about. It. So, yeah. And, I, and I, again, I, like, I think one of the things that is a, a little bit of a shortfall, and it's based on what we talked about, which is we're both, like, I'd like to do some of the research on it, but I can't go that deep. And we can't know what we're both going to, like, think of in mid-stride, but we just talk about it, which is genuine, is that, like, some of this is is, you know, hearsay and conjecture and, like, someone else's thing that you've heard and that's the most we have to go on which hopefully would lead to then someone calling us out on it and that's kind of what i always hope for is like i could look and go oh that thing we talked about and we weren't really sure but this was that thing i heard and i haven't had a chance to look someone's able to just be like no it's like this so, oh cool well yeah i mean honestly on the last podcast when you're talking about social security when i was like i was literally legit um curious about like people like, it's gonna run out of money like how and then you explain like how, from your own experience, how it could if the if this kept happening, and obviously it does happen. Um, I was like, oh, well, yeah. In that aspect, then yeah, it could run out of money because if you didn't put in enough money to the system, then yeah, you could run out of money. So I'm gonna do more research on that and see how prevalent it is. But yeah, it's definitely a possibility that I was not aware of. Yeah, because like the point you said, like it kind of is, it really matters how 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 common that is. Yeah. So that, that's the difference. And, and I know that I've known enough people that it's happened to that I'm like, okay, if you can keep doing this and I've seen articles about it, but again, some articles somewhere written by a, a, a newspaper that has a certain political agenda doesn't necessarily, you know, count. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I'm good. I think, uh, I, I kind of hit it. I, I, I do think this is important. I don't know if this would be the most important thing. I think it would be a huge cultural change and would have a huge long-term impact by making this change and making the people who make the decisions and participate as members of the government, people who have have a vested interest in um, knowing what it means to serve other people. I think it's big, but I don't know that it would be the first thing we would need to change. So I think that list of like a sequential list of how we would need to implement some systems is a good idea. I like that. Yeah. All right. I, I think we're good if you're good. Yeah, I really appreciate appreciate it. Um talk to y'all later. Later.